Ladies and gentlemen, I am in a new house. And you know what that means. My old house was not the house of gains, but this one is. Every day I wake up, I pray, and then I go into my workout room in my 18-story house, and I go <laughs> and I, I squat. And I think about election performance. I think about Alex Sterner and his soothing voice. I think about Alex Bryce and how he's actually a little bit more stern, ironically, than Alex is. And I lift. And you guys can do the same thing with OpenGuardCast25. That's a discount code that you need to use. Thank you, election performance. And uh, we're here. We're live. Jake Watson, Danny O'Donnell, and joined today by the man who is going to be on Who's Number One versus Nikki Ryan, Tony Ramos. Yeah, Ramos. Tony Ramos. Man, honor to have you on the show, man. Thank you so much for coming. No problem. Thank you guys for having me on. Of course. Sure. And uh, Dan, when uh, like I said, we were talking a little bit before the show. I was like, man. Uh, I was in the middle of this big move out and like I'm moving everything from my house. I never done it before. It's my first time moving out. And then I'm gathering everything and Danny like calls me. I'm literally like driving all my stuff away from my house. And Danny calls me. He's like, hey, we're going to have Tony Ramos on the show on Sunday. I'm like, what? <laughs> so I hurry and I get everything done. I'm like, oh, I have my internet set up. We're good. I'm ready to go. So I'm really excited. That's awesome. Thanks for having me on, guys. For sure. So like Jake mentioned, like we're a jiu-jitsu podcast. We haven't had a ton of like pure wrestlers on, so this is really exciting. But uh, I think a lot of times when people in jiu-jitsu think about wrestling, like I don't think they necessarily understand like that there's levels to wrestling, like just as there are levels to jiu-jitsu. And you're like an extremely high-level wrestler. So um, can you talk a little bit about like some of your credentials in wrestling and like what you feel are like your biggest achievements in that sport? Yeah, um, for me, I would say the biggest achievement that a lot of people would probably relate to is uh, national championships. So I won a national title at the University of Iowa. Um, and that's because college wrestling is a lot bigger in the U.S. than probably senior level wrestling. Um, mm -hmm. If you were to talk to a wrestler, though, uh, my biggest accomplishment would probably be, you know, I won the U.S. Open three times. Um, I made two world teams. Uh, which, you know, competed at the world championships. Then I was an alternate for the Olympics in 2016. Um, but like I said, wrestling's not very big once you get past the college level in the U.S. So the average listener and the, the person that really probably focuses on wrestling just from the college scene, they would understand the national title part. <clears throat> yeah, awesome. Wow. And that's a lot of hard work, man. I got a lot of, a lot of respect for like the wrestling work ethic and all the things you guys put your bodies through watching the like the national championship uh, as opposed to like like jiu-jitsu is very slow pace there's a lot of technique man wrestlers are hungry individuals man <laughs> like you see the national championships or the ncaa finals and people are competing with like acls that are torn and torn shoulders you're like how are these guys standing let alone wrestling at this level so i have a lot of respect for wrestling have you during those events were you wrestled were you injured at all did you go into them 100 percent? oh you're injured in every single one of them <laughs> uh, and that's that's one of the things with wrestling you know and as i've transitioned a little bit into the grappling and doing some of the, the grappling training i've noticed is it's not as demanding physically mm -hmm. on your body which is nice yeah. so it, it, you can do it a lot longer um, mm -hmm. And when you go to these practices, you see a lot of older, you know, people doing it. People do it as a hobby to stay in shape. And I'm like, man, how are they how are they doing a sport like this where you're submitting people, you know, putting joints against ways they're not supposed to go? Yeah. And then as you start doing, you understand it's it's a lot more relaxed, it's a lot more laid back. Like you said, technique, um, learning the technique and the way your, your body moves or where you want to be in certain positions. 
Um, like you say, in wrestling, though, it's very physical. You, I always tell people it's very similar as when Mike Tyson says, you can go in with a game plan until you get punched in the mouth. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in wrestling, you, you might have a game plan until someone clubs you upside the head or blows right through your face. So, uh, it, like you said, it's physical. And I think every after every season, I had to get uh, some type of knee surgery or something cleaned up, just, you know, scopes, meniscus, things like that. Um, I don't even know if I have a meniscus anymore in my right knee. They've cut it out so many times. But, uh, yeah, there, there's always injuries you got to battle through. And you don't need it. <laughs> you don't need it. I mean, obviously, right? Like, if you were like, hey, man, yeah, I can't compete anymore. I can't wrestle. I would be like, man, a meniscus might be a really important part of your knee. But you have shown that maybe not. Maybe you don't need it. Maybe it's just something that is cool to have, like an appendix. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it, it's, it's funny because – you know, one of the toughest teammates I ever had, his name's Derek St. John. Um, that dude won a national title in 13, the year before I did, with basically no ligaments left in his knee. I mean, oh he, he tore everything during the season, and they, you know, put him on the sideline for a little bit, rehabbed, got him strong, got him physically, mentally ready to go, and he went out and won a national title. And he actually just had surgery to fix it, like, last year. And that was in 13 when he tore everything. Um, so you, you see guys win titles with no ACLs, you know, torn shoulders. It's a very mental part. <clears throat> yeah. I always think it's so crazy. Like, like sometimes at like the world level, you'll see the podium after a, a big wrestling event and the guys literally look like they were in a, an MMA fight. Like their yeah. faces are all scraped up. Like, and I remember Josh Koscheck, this was like a really memorable thing for me. He was talking about training for jujitsu or training for wrestling versus training for, for MMA. And he said training for wrestling was 10 times harder than training for MMA. Just yeah. the grind and the cardio that was required was just – it was just way more difficult. Yeah, and that's the one thing I, I tell a lot of people. They're like, it can't be that much harder, right? Well, it's not just the wrestling practice. It's the weight cut. It's the yeah. almost like you're in cross country in preseason with all the running and then the lifting. And then you're going in a, a battle with someone you know, for two, three hours sometimes at practice. Um, so it's, it's definitely a lot of things put into one that just take a toll on you. For yeah, sure. for sure. And you know, I noticed you like that's crazy that you brought up your your wrestling team. What was his name again? Derek St. John. So did he have to change his game plan at all going into because I imagine like wrestling. One thing I've noticed, I am a I'm a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt, but my yeah. wrestling is like you would laugh and probably <clears throat> feel a, like offended watching it. Uh, so I. <laughs> so I'm not a very good wrestler, but I noticed that it's a lot of like pivoting on your knees, a lot of knee walking and understanding like how to pivot and position yourself uh, coming off of a shot. Did he, and then I mean, you don't have a knee that's going to be kind of hard to have the confidence of that. Did he start out with a, with a different game plan and have to move forward? So anytime you get injured, especially him and I can go back to, I remember when I won the U S open, I think it was in 2015. Um, the week of, I herniated two discs in my neck, and I wasn't even supposed to go, and I got on the plane the day before and went down. Um, you, like jiu-jitsu, I know you guys, there's different styles, right? Like some guys attack the knees, sometimes guys attack the, the, the arms, some guys pull guards, some guys don't. Um, in wrestling, you have to be very versatile in almost everything. Like you can't just be really good defensively. You got to be good offensively, defensively, top, bottom. Um, just in case, like for say example, you know, you, you look at St. John, he probably couldn't attack as much and take as much shots because of those knee injuries. So he had to focus more on his defense and his sprawls and his go behinds and his top game. So yeah, you do have to change some things up. Um, I know when I was, when I hurt my neck, like I was saying, I couldn't allow guys to touch my head. 
as soon as they pulled on my head, it was like shooting down my back. So I couldn't let them get to my head. I couldn't get in positions where I was vulnerable. Um, so it's really taught us to be aware of protecting our body, um, which I think is going to help me kind of going into this match with Nikki Ryan. I know I've talked to a lot of people and all I hear is leg locks, leg locks, focus on your leg locks, focus on your leg locks. Um, and then someone actually told me yesterday, they're a jujitsu guy who was a wrestler, um, who have a pretty good relationship with over the past, uh, since COVID's kind of happened, we, we've worked on a few things together. And he told me, he goes, yeah, Nikki is really good, but he's very one-dimensional. So if you can take away the, the leg locks and really focus on making him go to a different place and compete with you in a different spot, you're going to be okay. Um, so that really uh, kind of hit home to me of, hey, all right, you know, if I can sprawl, if I can keep my, you know, clearing my knees, um, keep them from getting bites on, up high on my quad and around my thigh and keep pushing them down, you know, I, I think I, I'm going to be all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, we've actually seen uh, Nicky Rod. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Nicky Rod. Yeah. He's, a, he's a teammate of Nicky Ryan's. And that guy, man, he got second at ADCC, which I'm going to have questions for you about later as well, that tournament. Yeah. But uh, he competed at ADCC and got all the way to second place. That guy was a blue belt. And yeah. he was just a he was a good wrestler. And he had a good idea of how to how to stay clear of the knee attacks. Uh, it is very interesting this matchup, I, and I do uh, I do think that the point you made about you know a lot of the Dan and her death squad guys are so great at at knee bars and they're so great at finding positions for heel hooks and for anything involving legs that sometimes people think oh no I I need to defend just that and it actually works out you know what I mean like it mm-hmm. really they're they're so focused on that because they're so good at it that I think that you're along the right lines of that game plan uh, do you happen to like have an opinion about film study. Like I know the wrestlers do a lot of film study. Uh, I think jujitsu is a little behind on that. I, th- I, I don't hear a lot of people. I mean, Andrew Wildsey we have on the show and that guy's like, I don't even know who my opponents are basically. <laughs> and he's a high level black belt. Do you do a lot of film study in wrestling? Um, yes, you do. Uh, there's ways you do it though. And I, when you tell me that like these jujitsu guys don't do, that's kind of crazy to me. Cause mm-hmm. I'll tell you right now, that's all I've been doing is watching matches, you know, matches Nikki's won, matches Nikki's lost, how have guys beat him, how have guys, you know, what have some guys done uh, to prevent some of the positions he gets into. Um, and, and it's this kind of the same thing for wrestling. When we watch film, you don't want to watch the whole match. You don't want to really watch, um, I don't, like for my college guys, I won't bring them in to watch the whole match. And I won't bring them in to have them focus on like, hey, this guy just does double X. I'll bring him in and show him a quick position. Like, all right, this is an area we need to work. And then we'll go to practice, and that's when we'll spend time on it. Just to give them ideas of where they might get into. Um, you know, if a guy's a single leg guy, we're not going to go over the exact single leg, but we might, you know, have someone starting on a single leg in practice and, you know, defend it from there. Uh, if a guy's good on top with an arm bar, all right, start with an arm bar, and then we might go from there. And I know some of the things that I'm going to implement, um, you know, as we keep progressing working with Nikki is let guys start with a leg lock or start with a heel hook and then, all right, go figure out how to clear it, figure out how to beat those positions, um, how to, you know, not just preventing them from get there. Because I tell my guys all the time, if someone's really good at something, they're eventually going to get there, especially in a 15 minute match. You know, it's not going to be 15 minutes if I'm actually trying to win and not just stay away from him where he's not going to get there. You know, I'm going to have to learn how to clear it. I'm going to have to feel what it feels like to maybe get it cranked on a little bit um, and still get out of it. So those are some of the things we're focusing on. Awesome. 
So obviously you've been wrestling since like a really young age, but like, do you remember by chance like when jujitsu kind of came onto your radar? Like, where did you yeah. start watching MMA or like was it you know maybe you had some friends in high school or college who did jujitsu? Yeah, so I actually I started wrestling when I was three, so very young. <sighs> Crazy. Uh, <laughs> jujitsu started to come around um, probably my junior year of high school. Uh, my brother actually was a he went to Indiana first semester and then came back home and got into pro fighting. So he was doing MMA for a little bit. So I would go up to the gym with him and, um, you guys know Clay Guida? Yes. Yes. So Clay Guida's from Johnsburg, Illinois. That's where I grew up. So Clay Guida would come in, wrestle around with us in high school. We'd mess around with him. Um, you, you guys know Izzy Martinez? Yeah. The wrestling coach. Yep. Yeah, so he, that, coach, I yeah. actually started Izzy style wrestling with him. That was me and him awesome. in that club. So I've been around all these guys who are very familiar with grappling, who as my career's gone on, you know, I'll play around with them. They'll jump in there. They'll try and throw some stuff on you as they, as you're just wrestling around. So I have some feels for it. I have rolled before, um, you know, prior to just, it wasn't like I've never done this, never been around it. And like, Hey, let's do this. Um, I do yeah. have a good base and a good background. Um, now it's really just getting better, really focusing on the details of it. Uh, you know, some of the things we're focusing on in practices is, you know, weight distribution, positioning, things like that. Uh, I know, yes, it was actually last Thursday I was up at practice and uh, I was rolling with one of the one of the guys up there and he thought he was he thought he was going to sweep me. And when he went to sweep me, I ended up in on a single leg, you know, and was in really good single leg position, but ended up popping his knee. He's like, man, I did not oh, expect man. that to happen. I thought, you know, like I was going to be able to sweep you, but you knew exactly where to go and just your, uh, your wrestling and your body position kind of took over. Yeah. That's awesome. Have you, okay. So this is obviously a, a wrestler trope, <clears throat> I would call it, but is it, how long did it take you to get over the, uh, Oh no, I'm on my back feeling. Oh, that's easy. Mm -hmm. I mean, one of the, and this is a thing with rest, like top level wrestlers in general, you, you're taught your whole life. You don't want to be on your back. You don't want to be on your back. Right. The best wrestlers, and you can even go look at a guy like Kyle Snyder when he got pinned in, uh, I think it was 17 or 18. The best wrestlers, if they usually lose match or get caught, they get pinned because they don't know how to get off their back. Um, so one of the big drills that we always did when I was growing up is start on your back and learn to get off your back. Um, so it's it's not like a place I'm unfamiliar with. Uh, and now that I have four kids, you know, I'll come home with them when they want to wrestle. First thing I do is I go to my back for them. I'll start on my back. So it's like, <laughs> it's something I've been used to letting them crawl around, jump on me, you know, clearing out from there. And it's, you know, now these, the past couple of weeks that I've been training with the jujitsu guys, it's easy for me just to go to the back. Um, the hard part, the hard part is, you know, slowly working back up, uh, cause I can bridge off fast and, you know, give up my back and I don't want to do that. I need to be able to work up, make sure, you know, when I, if I do give up my back, I'm in a good position where I'm not giving up, you know, legs in, rear naked chokes, body triangles, whatever it may be. All right. Yeah. yeah. That, that, and that perfectly <clears throat> answered my question. Cause, uh, you know, for jujitsu guys learning wrestling, if I, I was working with a man named Jeremy Mendoza yep, and he, uh, he was a, a wrestling coach. Uh, I don't remember where, but he helped me out a lot and he was like, all right, you need to belly out. And I'm like, what? Like for me, I'm like, yes. no, and he was like, no, you need to, cause you don't want to, you don't want to be on your back. I'm like, I don't know if, I, if you know very much. I very much want to be on my back. <laughs> I very much like De La Hiva, like all yeah. these positions. He's like, yeah, but this is wrestling. You have shoes on. You're not allowed to do that. I'm like, oh, this, 
don't know if I can do this. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's the hardest transition. Like when you look at the two sports and we were talking about earlier, the sister sports, one of the things I wanted to do um, when this idea started coming about is when Flo was always, you know, going back and forth with Flo wrestling and Flo gra- grappling, which one's better, which one's better. Always, yeah. you know, just that little bickering back and forth, like little brothers. Um, <laughs> I, I just wanted to draw more attention to both of them. So mm. I reached out to Flo and I was like, hey, you know, set me up with someone. And I had no idea, like, who they were going to go after. Someone called me. They go, why don't you go with Nicky Ryan? He, you know, he's a 66-kilo guy. You know, I wrestled 57, 60 um, at the end of my career. And I was like, all right, cool. So I was like, I told him, I go, let's get Nicky Ryan. Well, little did I know that he grew a lot. Now he's up to, I think, <laughs> yeah. 77, big dude. Yeah. Yep. Um, and after that, it already happened. I couldn't come back and say, no, find someone else. <laughs> uh, so I was like, whatever, we'll just go with it. Uh, you know, when wrestling size really isn't an issue, we practice with big guys all the time. Only time you really wrestle with someone at your weight class is on competition day. Um, but other than that, you're wrestling with guys that might be two, three, four weight classes bigger than you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm excited about it. I really want to, you know, sh- I want to see how much we can, um, bring wrestling viewers into jujitsu and maybe jujitsu viewers back into wrestling after this. Um, really hope both sports. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I want to get into that topic a little bit, um, a little bit later. But one thing that I also wanted to ask you about is like, yes, there are definitely some differences between like strategies in wrestling and jujitsu. But I feel like, and and Nikki's coach was actually talking about this um, not too long ago. But one of like the developments that's coming up in jujitsu is like finding wrestling techniques to implement into jujitsu because people. When they do jiu-jitsu, they're thinking strictly from like a jiu-jitsu perspective, thinking about positions that have worked in the past. But like Nikki's coach is really good at implementing like uh, like front headlocks and like yep. um, a lot of like finishing sweeps with wrestling positions. So like people will traditionally go for like a butterfly sweep. If someone bases out, they'll like kind of come out on a single or you know they'll find ways up to their knees and then start wrestling from there. So. What are there any like positions in particular? I know you have a really good front headlock, but is there anything else that like comes to mind where you're like, wow, this is like something not a lot of jujitsu guys are doing, and I'm just like getting this on all of them? Yeah, so there's actually a lot of things I've been playing around with because you know the first day I came in to elevate MMA, I asked the, the coach, I go, so obviously I know that Nikki's gonna sit to his butt, pull guard, move around. I go, why do I stay? Why should I stay up on my feet? I go, why not just drop to my knees and wrestle them from my knees like, you know, a wrestler who wrestles from their knees. And now I'm totally protecting my legs um, because we have different names for some of the moves. And I know I can't remember what the moves called when you roll underneath and, you know, try and catch the leg, whatever it's called in jiu-jitsu. In wrestling, we call it an abyss roll. It's the same thing from a single leg guy. Abyss rolls underneath you. You know, you want to keep your weight on your foot. You want to keep your knee over your toe so they can't get your foot off the mat, get the heel hooks, things like that. So there still are a lot of similarities when it comes to that. Um, in positions that I've been in and I'm familiar with of how to clear out. Uh, but like you said, one of, one of the things I started to mess around with is why, you know, why when I'm trying to attack him and he drops down, why don't I attack the legs? Why don't I drop in on like a leg lace like you would in, uh, you know, freestyle, get a leg lace, kind of rolled up, start with the ankles, you know, attack forward. Or like you said, some of the sweeps that I've been getting into on bottom, when I clear out, I always end up in a single leg, just exactly like you said, end up in single legs you know, coming up and out, or if someone, uh, and this is actually what happened in Dana at practice, like I was trying to, coach was trying to sweep me, push me off to the side, and I ended up again in a single leg as he was, you know, trying to recover and come out, yeah. put him right back down. Uh, so I am finding myself in a lot of familiar positions. Um, the other things I'm starting to figure out is there's a lot of crossover, just technique-wise when you think about things. 
um, for example, you know, I always go back to a single leg because I'm very good, you know, wrestling. I had a great single leg, had a great front headlock. Um, single leg positioning in wrestling, you want to be above the knee. You want to control the hips. It's the same thing when these guys are doing these knee bars. I, I learned that if they're going to lock you in, one of the points they want to be is they want to be wrapped around above your knee so they can control your hip as they're putting pressure and torque on your ankle. Um, and they were telling me, you know, push them down, keep pushing them down below your knee, you'll be fine. And it's very similar to a single leg. If I, if I don't want someone to finish a single leg on me, I need to get their head and their hands below my knee to be able to prevent it from, from coming up. So mm-hmm. I'm finding a lot of crossover. Yeah, a lot of jujitsu guys call that uh, clearing your <clears throat> knee line. Yes, and, that's and there exactly is, what they're saying. Yeah, it's like clearing your knee line. And, that, and that's a very interesting take on it. Yeah, that's I, uh, such a cool parallel between the single leg and the leg lock attacks. I never thought about it like that. It kind of blew my mind a little bit when you said that because I was like, I, I don't think about that. I think about just jujitsu. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think about like judo a little bit. Um, and I don't know if if you have participated in judo or not and seen any similarities between wrestling and judo in that regard. I know that there is because getting an off balance and <laughs> yeah. taking someone down is like. First of all, I have grappled. Uh, there's a man in our gym named Robert Galvan who makes me feel like I actually don't know how to stand properly when we're grappling because it's just like the ability to make someone think you're going to go one way and take them down another way is abs- is ridiculous. And it's this, it's like almost like standing jujitsu in my opinion. <laughs> but uh, yeah, clearing the knee line is, is a very, very uh, big thing. And I – I, I just wonder uh, – I wonder how Nikki Ryan is, is preparing for this because I, it feels to me like there's so much about wrestling. I mean it's older. You know what I mean? Like there's so much wrestling that's been working for years and years and years. And jiu-jitsu has been only around for – how long has jiu-jitsu been around for, Danny? Danny's like a historian, so he understands all this stuff. I mean probably like the early 90s is when the competitive scene really started to take off. Yeah. Whereas wrestling, I mean you can go back – to the days of yeah, ancient I mean, Greece, yeah. forever, yeah. Literally, so Homer were. himself was yeah. writing down the results. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty crazy. Um, so, so you did mention. I thought this was really cool how you said this. How like one of your goals is to kind of bring more attention to both sports, and I think th- that's so cool because I feel like wrestling has a set of eyeballs that jujitsu doesn't have, and vice versa. So, did you happen to see either the Pat Downey and uh, Nikki Rod match, or the Gordon Ryan and Bo Nickel match? I saw I saw the, the Downey and um, Nikki Nikki, Nikki Rod one. Yeah. Um, and I know they train together up in Princeton, I think too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to me, that one was more like you know buddies that were having fun and just kind of <laughs> going out there and hanging out. Yeah. Um, I saw the Bo Nickel. You know, I didn't see the whole thing, the Bo Nickel and Gordon Ryan one. But again, that was another one where the rules were kind of altered a little bit from my understanding. And yeah. I, I tried to get the rules altered. You know, I was trying to be smart with this and say, hey, no no leg locks. You know, I don't need to blow out a knee or something. Uh, I got I got kids at home. I got I got guys I got to go back and coach during the wrestling mm-hmm. season. And they, they immediately were like, yeah, well, that's not happening. <laughs> and I was like, all right, whatever, fine. I'll go I'll go full, full blow. I'll jump right into it. Um, okay. You know, if you're going to do it, you might as well do it the right way um, and, and at the highest level. So. You know, I'm always up for challenge and I'm always open for that. And I think uh, that's going to draw more interest into it because, you know, the more um, there were a couple things. You know, when I first look up Nicky Ryan, you know, I think he had like 85,000 followers on his Instagram. Yeah. And I have like 32,000. <laughs> we had like six mutual friends. That was it. That's insane. And the crossover just from the, my platform and his platform, you know, seeing what's going on now, there's thousands of people that were, were hitting 
um, that are might be wrestling fans or may fans or uh, jiu-jitsu fans, whatever it is. Um, so that was one of the big things. And then again, like I said, I was getting to is as I started reading like the comments and stuff coming from both sides, like the wrestling fans are saying, Oh, wrestling hundred percent. Jiu-jitsu guys are saying there's no chance. This is so lopsided. It's going to last five seconds. How long is he going to, you know, they're going to let him play in. And I think a lot of people are going to tune into it. Almost like the McGregor, uh, Floyd Mayweather. Yeah. Cause there is that, like, what if, what if he does last longer than 30 seconds? What if he does make it like six, seven minutes, you know, that now that's almost a win for wrestling you know we're coming in against the yeah. best of the best and you're lasting a decent amount of time uh going toe-to-toe and you know i'm gonna throw it out there right now to a lot of the people i'm not gonna go in there and try and just defend and stay away like they think you know i'm gonna go in and i'm trying to win you know flow has put an, in, an incentive for me to submit him um if it happens it's not like one of those things where i'm gonna go in and try and stay away for 15 minutes and not have any action or create any action you know i'm gonna go in there and if he gets to a position, he gets in, and he catches me. Oh, well, he catches me. But, that, you know, I'm not one of those ones who's just going in there trying to hold on. I love that. I'm a fan. That was <laughs> that was inspiring. That's a highlight, dude. I'm posting that. Uh, <laughs> did you happen to see uh, Gordon versus Pat Downey? I saw the wrestling part, I think. I did not see the actual uh, the, the jiu-jitsu part. I heard that Pat tapped out without even getting submitted, though. Yeah, yeah. So it was a little, uh, it was a little ridiculous to watch. Pat like smoked him in the wrestling section. Like mm. I think it was like less than a minute before Pat like took him down. Yeah. And you're like, and then Pat got up and was like, you don't never call out Pat Downey or however <laughs> he sounds. His Twitter's ridiculous. That, the guy, yes. the guy's Twitter is. I unfollowed him finally. Like I followed him. <laughs> he was just getting too. It was too much of a snowball, and then I unfollowed him. But uh, oh, hang on one sec. No, no worries. So uh, yeah, that's a pretty cool highlight. <laughs> yeah yeah and i i you know that's like i think it's harder for a jiu-jitsu person to cross over into wrestling than wrestling to cross over into jiu-jitsu just for the fact of you know jiu-jitsu if you want to stay on the mat the whole time you can stay on the mat the whole time on your back wherever you want to go wrestling you're forced to either go to the mat and be good on your feet um and and then the biggest thing is you can't go to your back you know, at least when we cross over in the jiu-jitsu, we can go to our back. It's not like you're getting pinned. You can go there. You know, you can hang out there. Um, so I think the crossover is harder one way than it is the other way. Yeah. I you know, I actually, I have, a que- I have a question. You you keep on um, bringing up your coaching, um, and you coach in the University of North Carolina. Yep. So I have a, uh, an interesting question. I'm a, I'm a coach myself, okay. and I feel like for me – the uh, biggest transition of my mental game and the amount of jujitsu I learned, like the biggest period of growth is when I started coaching and competing. Right. So you were a competitor, amazing competitor. Do you, how, in what ways do you feel like you've grown due to your coaching, having a family? Cause you grow as a man that way. Yeah. But, and, and do you feel like that also grows as a competitor? Yeah, I definitely got, um, so our college coaches would always have us do camps like in the summer. Um, and I think that was just to help us, uh, grow as an athlete. And the way they always did it is the sessions we worked, they would put us in the technique that we would have to go over were things we needed to get better at. So they were really making us like, think like, all right, if I'm teaching, you know, a stand up today, um, 
and I was bad on bottom through college, I better figure out how to teach a stand-up to these kids, and it's going to make me learn and make me get better. Mm-hmm. And I think the more that I've transitioned into just strict, like straight coaching, uh, it's helped me understand positioning a lot more. You know, when you're out there competing, you really don't focus on the position and where you're at as much. You just want to go out there and, you know, beat someone up, score a lot of points. Um, you know, I have to translate to a lot of different styles, to a lot of different kids, to a lot of different ways of thinking now. And I got to figure out ways to get through them all. Um, and that, the one thing that I've noticed that works the best is not teaching kids actual moves, teaching them where they need to be in their positioning to be able to finish or to be able to have success. Um, and that's really helped me get better. Like you say, as a wrestler, uh, it's also helped me understand jujitsu a lot more because now I'm not just focusing on like, what's this move called? Or that's cool. How do I do a Kamara? How do I do a triangle choke? Like, no, what positioning do I need to be in to actually get there beforehand? Or where do my legs need to be? Where do my hooks need to be? Where does my frame need to be? Um, all these little things. I'm glad you already understand position before submission. There's a lot of people who uh don't do that so i'm yeah. glad you understand that's that's the more i interview the more this interview goes on the more i feel like oh man this he's taking the very smart approach that you just i just want to let you know that as i went <laughs> when danny like i said when danny told me like when, or not danny but when flow grappling announced um tony ramos versus Singer man i was like i want to learn about tony because i want to see like how he's taking this approach to jujitsu this is like you know, we had Bo Nickel and Gordon. That was a novelty. But this is like straight jujitsu. There is no, like you said, there is no weirdness about it. Um, and it seems like you're taking the right approach. That was actually something I wanted to get back to, too, is like the rule set. Like you mentioned that um, you're not, it's pretty much just straight jujitsu rules this match. Yeah. So do you feel like, because I, I do really think that there's such a huge opportunity for more of these like wrestler versus jujitsu guy matches, like, even though ultimately like there's a lot of the same similarities between the sports and stuff, I think you need to bring both groups together to really grow like grappling as a whole. But do you guys feel, and, and Jake, this is a question for you too. Do either of you feel like there's a rule set that can kind of like even the playing field if you have a pure jiu-jitsu guy versus a pure wrestler? Is that, do you think that's possible? I think maybe ADCC might be like the closest to that because there's a, a, a penalty point for pulling guard. So you kind of have to stay on your feet for a little bit so you can open up the score that way. But any uh, ideas on a rule set that would kind of be mutually beneficial? Everyone tells me ADCC, like you're saying. Um, but if I'm going to be honest, I don't think you need to set up a rule set for it to be fair. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, wrestling, MMA, a lot of the things we do. Um, you know, if I have a guy in wrestling who's really good on top or bottom, it's my job to not let him put me there. Um, I can't ask the ref to change the rules to make sure that I don't end up in these positions or that it doesn't happen. And that's kind of, you know, the approach I took with this. You know, at first I tried changing the rules and making it a a little more fair, as they would say. Um, Then when they said no, I was like, well, you know, if this was a wrestling world and I I just can't go and tell, you know, the guy, don't put me there. Don't do that. Like, I don't I don't want you to do that to me because I know you're going to score. I know I know that's where you're good. Um, I got to figure out how to be better. I got to figure out how to prevent you from getting there. I got to figure out a way to win. Um, and that's kind of, you know, the way I've grown up my whole life is figuring out ways to win, figuring out how to silence the doubters, figuring out how to shock people. Um, and that's what I'm excited about. You know, at the same time, I feel like the entire wrestling world <laughs> is being put on my back to ever have these opportunities again. Because if I do go out there and, you know, get submitted in 30 seconds or a minute, whatever it may be, Flo might never take this opportunity again. 
even though there might be a weight difference or experience difference, whatever you want to call it. Uh, so I feel like I have to go in there, at least represent myself in wrestling very well um, to open up a lot more doors for other people. And that's something that we've done our whole life as wrestlers is, you know, wrestling wasn't a sport where you were making a lot of money. Uh, the guys before me started to, you know, make some more money than we came through. And we started to set the standard for these younger guys where now it's, you know, a career you can come through and have a lot of success and live a healthy lifestyle and not have to do other things. Um, I know grappling from the sounds of it, there's tons of money in grappling. There's tournaments every weekend, big money prizes. Um, if wrestlers can have the opportunity to cross over into some of that, you know, just for some, what would you call it? Uh, cross training. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think that'd be really cool for them to have that other income coming in. For yeah. sure. I do agree with that. I like your uh, outlook on it. I think that uh, if there was going to be like something that could cover everybody's mindset, because not everybody's like, I want to prove the haters wrong. Everybody's like, you know, some people, not haters or doubters, whatever. Some people are like, hey, man, I want to have like, because wrestling, you're not focusing on submissions. You're focusing on like pins and stuff like that. I would say maybe if, uh, you could introduce like ADCC rules where it's not the point. Like it's always um, guard pulls illegal because ADCC work. Do you know the ADCC rule set, uh, Tony? So uh, I have a, I think I have a decent understanding. Uh, the first half is like submission only. Yeah. And then the second half they go to, for points to, for instead of like an actual judge's decision. Yeah. <clears throat> so you cannot pull guard in the second half of the match. Otherwise you will be given a deferral point. <clears throat> And uh, in the first half of the match, you don't have to, like, make grips to sit. You can just sit on your butt. So that's kind of like I think that if it was always illegal to pull guard, um, because what happens is some people will get two points and then just, like, play around. You know what I mean? They'll just win by two. That's how a lot of, you know, old school jiu-jitsu fighters would, like, they abuse the rules. Like, everybody abuses a rule set to the best of their ability um, when they want to. Uh, you get the diehard people like you who are like, no, I'm gonna pin this guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't need, I don't need some rule set. Like, I can do it. Uh, and I respect. I try to be that way too. Um, but maybe, or or maybe, I th- I think that would be the most fair, quote unquote. Like I said, I agree with you. I don't think that it necessarily needs to be fair. But uh, fair again. There's quotation marks that I'm doing with my fingers here. Uh, but yeah, I guess that's just my opinion. Cl- to clarify, I was kind of thinking it almost more from like a jujitsu person's perspective going into wrestling. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. is there a way? Because oh. like, oh my yeah. gosh, if I went I mean, to a wrestling tournament, I was kind of asking. <laughs> you know, how, I kind of meant it both ways, but yeah, but like, like we were talking about with uh, with Gordon and Pat Downey, it was like, I mean, the jujitsu was a little bit one sided, but the wrestling was like completely one sided. Oh yeah, like, for sure. If you're going that way, I would say no near fall. No, yeah. no near fall, no pins. Oh yeah, you could go to your back at least to get up. Yeah. Oh, yeah huh? See, like I'm six foot three, so I have really long arms. I've I've been told that like a front headlock game would be good for somebody with, who's tall and has long arms like that. But man, you know how scared I am of like I'm gonna do a snap down and somebody's gonna shoot faster than I can snap him down and take me down. <laughs> you know how many times this happened to me? It's embarrassing. I'm even like thinking about it. That's so funny. <laughs> and it, just, dude, like, I'm telling you, wrestling for me, I'm so fascinated by wrestling and by judo. Um, but judo, like, I feel like, ju- again, judo and wrestling do have a lot of similarities. Wrestling is um, way more applicable, in my opinion. This is my opinion. 
before the judo fanatics comment on our freaking post and say, Jake was wrong. This is an opinion. I think wrestling is more applicable for jiu-jitsu, particularly no-gi jiu-jitsu. But uh, I do I do enjoy uh, judo as well. And before I before I forget, you made a you know a little bit more about ADCC than I thought. Maybe a little too much. Are there any plans for you to? <laughs> are there any plans for you to part uh, potentially? I mean, you know, it's right around the corner. Uh, any plans? So we'll we'll see. Um, depends how. There's so much up in the air with COVID right now and like that's college true. sports. Um, and that's kind of what's made this opportunity like really feasible and interesting to me. Uh, typically, right now we would be really full born preseason October 10th starter season. Um, everything's kind of relaxed and calmed down a little bit because we can't recruit, we can't go out and see kids. Um, we can't, you know, we're not probably going to start wrestling until January one. So it's actually given me some time where I can actually focus on some training, still focus on our guys because I'm not out on the road recruiting, uh, you know, not spreading myself too thin multiple ways. Uh, at the same time, I know ADCC, usually you have to qualify for it. Heck, maybe if I go out and do really well, they'll give me one of those special invites or whatever it's called, and then I'll think about it a little bit more. Uh, so we'll see what happens. All right, so we're getting a we're getting an open guard cast certified. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like it. No, I, don't I know like what it. weight class I'd go yet. Though. What, what are the weights, though? 66 uh, is the lowest, so you'd have it to do 66. 66 yeah. Yeah. Oh, Which is kind of weird. I kind of wish they would add a, a lighter one. Like if they had a 57, that would be really interesting. I'm in my never opinion. doing that again. Never no. Again. <laughs> oh, okay, never I would mind. Do like a 63, but <clears throat> well, never uh, what's the heaviest you've been? I weigh about. Uh, so I used to cut from about 50, 55 to 125. Oh my goodness. Um, so wow. right now, you know, on full feed, um, I was probably about 163. Um, I'm imagine I'm going to come into this somewhere in the 55 to you know 58 range. That's Dang. incredible. So so you would every time you would start your cut you'd be around 150 ish. Yeah, 150, 155. Wow. Oh my goodness. Okay, here's a specific question. What is what is your weight cut go to? Because man, jujitsu. I I'll tell you, I don't know how to cut weight. I don't do it. <laughs> I I weigh in whatever I weigh. I'm like 188 pounds. I always go into every tournament weighing what I weigh. I don't cut weight because I don't know how to do it healthily. How so, do you cut weight? Really good diet, strictly water. Um, strictly water. <laughs> <laughs> like the the five years I was making 57, it was it was hard, and I, that's probably one of the reasons why you know I started. I did retire when I did. Is you know it took a toll on my body, uh, mentally, yeah. physically, everything. Um, I, I had a almost you know, coming, I was 33 pounder in college. So that's like 61, 62, somewhere in there. Um, I had to lose a lot of muscle near the end of my career. I was losing a lot of muscle, a lot of my power, which I was known for, um, just to maintain that weight and be able to compete at the weight. Cause the rules changed, you know, the, when I first was making it, it was day before weigh-ins. So when it was day before weigh-ins, you know, I'd make 25 and a half by the time I was competing, I was 140, 145. I could put on that much weight that fast. Then it turned in the same day weigh-ins. So it was oh, only gosh. like two hours in between. And that's when, you know, I really had to change everything I was doing and started, you know, my whole body transformed. Um, and that's when it got super tough. Uh, but, you know, the, the weight cutting is a science. 
I know like the MMA guys, they do the what is it, the hot showers and wrap themselves up with towels and things like that. <laughs> yeah. You gotta you gotta put the work in. Um, you know, I would you know, you get your plastics in on the sauna, so you you're already sweating before you put your plastics on in the sauna, and then when you put those on, they're super freaking hot because they were sitting in the sauna for twenty minutes already. Oh wow. Um, and you put them on your skin. I know a lot of people like t- putting t shirt or shorts underneath. Now you put them right on the skin, so it's just that that burns on the skin. Your skin's getting warm. <laughs> your core temperature's up. Then you go down and you go work out. Uh, you know, I would do like 10 minutes on a treadmill, and then I would jump onto the an Airdyne or a bike, doing a lot of three minutes on, three minutes sit, um, and just letting your sweat roll and keep going just for, you know, 30, 40, 50 minutes, whatever it is. You know, lose five, six, seven pounds. It's probably healthier to do it that way, to be honest, because then you're burning water weight as opposed to chemically sucking your body of everything. Man, have you ever done an Epsom salt bath? Me? Uh, I, I, I like started doing them near the end um, just because it was easier than actually doing the work. Mm-hmm. But I'm not a big fan of those. I know a lot of people are big fans like the, the Epsom salt baths, wrap themselves in the towels, things like that. It's, it wasn't a big thing for me. I almost no. felt like I was just pulling everything out. No, I don't like those. That's, that's <laughs> hell. Danny, have you ever done that? I have not. So you pour yeah. Magnum. You get your water in your bathtub just a little more than uncomfortably hot, so you're pretty <laughs> uncomfortable. You put magnesium sulfate in the tub. You get in it with albaline all over your body, right? Like you're you're covered in makeup remover, and you're sweating, and it's just all chemical. It's like you're a freaking lab experiment. And then you go in the tub. So your buddy, who's <laughs> drunk, pours a magnesium sulfate on you, and then you just sit. And you know, you ever seen Harry Potter three? Yes. You know when the Dementors suck Harry Potter, like suck his suck life his force? Soul. That's what yeah. it's like, dude. Because that guy <laughs> Dementor's standing over you, it's the worst. Man, so I'm glad funny. I'm gonna you know what? If I ever do have to cut weight, I'm gonna take the Tony Ramos way because I feel like that'll probably be much healthier. Did you feel like you were able to eat a little more when you did that? So I always ate very good when I was working out like that. I would uh it, I wasn't trying to, you know, in the beginning, I wasn't trying to pull the water weight out. So even though, um, you know, you would, I use plastics at the end or you put these hard work in, um, I would always rehydrate the water that night when I got home. I'd sleep well. I'd feel great, burning a lot of the calories, cutting out, cutting the fat, and really just uh, getting my body, you know, really lean. And then at the end is when you started cutting back on the water and, and pulling that water weight out too. Even thinking, even thinking about cutting weight gives me a headache. <laughs> So I kind of wanted to go back to another thing that you touched on. It's kind of like the professionalism of jiu-jitsu versus wrestling. Like, there's a lot of opportunities now in jiu-jitsu, like with ADCC, super fights, events like this, who's number one, to, to make some money. And it's really becoming a lot more professional as each year passes by. And I think, I don't know, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it doesn't seem like there's a lot of, like, opportunities like that in wrestling. Like, like you said, there are the camps and stuff like that as a, opportunities as a coach, but, like, strictly as an athlete – I think Flow Wrestling recently did some sort of event, but uh, I don't see those pop up too much. So, is that something that kind of is that kind of frustrating for you? Because I mean, a lot of jujitsu guys, like most, did not start at age three and put in as much time and effort as as you put in. Like, of course, there's really hard workers, but um, is that frustrating at all? Seeing like all the work that goes into wrestling from the past up until now and not having those opportunities. To me, it's not frustrating because it's wrestling's fault. Um, jiu-jitsu and these other sports 
you know, like I said, when I started looking into jiu-jitsu more, I saw, like, all these events, all these tournaments, people walking away with $10,000 checks, like, really good money to compete in these things. Um, but then when you look at wrestling, we have been told since we we're little, the pinnacle of the sport is Olympics and Worlds, right? So, and then when you graduate, you know, when you graduate college, no one wants to wrestle each other in the U.S., because you want to limit yourself as many times as people are getting their hands on you or they're getting feels. And no one, like, there's no events because of that. The only events people compete in are if they have to qualify for the trials or if they have to qualify, you know, to make world teams, uh, whatever it is. And they, they don't want to do these, you know, like who's number ones or things like that unless it's crazy, crazy money. Like, I think it, Downey tweeted out, like, the payouts that they were getting for that event, and it was nuts. Um which is cool because, yeah, now there's some money in wrestling. But, you know, just imagine if every couple of weeks you could make $10,000 going to an event and you didn't, your egos weren't getting in the way because you didn't want to wrestle people over and over or have too many people, you know, get their hands on you or you're, you're peaking right or you're where you're at in your training phase. I think jujitsu people um, are less worried about that. And I think that's one thing, you know, I did notice with Nikki Ryan is, uh, I know he's coming off of a, I think he had some type of injury or something. And he just, who's number one a month ago or whatever, he ended up losing yep. that one. Mm-hmm. To me, he looked a little out of shape. Um, like he was still getting back into yeah. shape. But I, I, I don't think that they're, that jiu-jitsu people shy away because they might not be in the ideal, um, you know, training phase or have the ideal training camp before these ha- events happen. You know, mm-hmm. they know there's going to be other opportunities ahead. Um, and they're, they're, they're okay to take those risks. Yeah, no, you're actually from, from my perspective, you're right about that. There's many tournaments I've taken. Uh, I mean, I took a couple third coast grappling opportunities to compete for $10,000. I lost both of them, but I was, uh, but I was not in, sh- uh, in the best shape for those either. And I think it's just because you, I mean, for us, I mean, I've competed 24 times in a year before that's, yeah. uh, that's how many tournaments I did when I was uh, 2017, uh, 2016, 2017 year, I competed 24 times that year and it didn't even feel like I felt like, okay, I'll just I'll go compete again. Like win or lose, I get one in two weeks. You know what I mean? It wasn't like, this is it. You know, if we did, I think if jujitsu fighters only had two or three tournaments a year, they'd probably treat it a lot differently. Yeah. And that's interesting because like college we compete, you know, I think it's 16, mm-hmm. 16 dates we have, um, but that's cause yeah. there's a college season that you have to do. You know, mm-hmm. senior level, I, I think in 15, 16, or 14 when I made those teams, I only competed five times that year. Um, you know, maybe one or two overseas tournaments and then the trials. Um, it, it's like you said, it's a, it's a different mindset. Um, I know, you know, Nikki's going to be ready. He's going to be getting in shape for this one. But for me, you know, this is one of those events that I, I have keyed in on. And I'm, a, I'm getting in prime shape, almost like it was uh, – you know, getting ready for world team trials, you know, the same type of workouts, runs, things like that, where there, there's a there's a systematic kind of training camp to it. Mm-hmm. So another thing that a friend brought up to me recently that I thought was pretty interesting is that he was telling me that he feels like a lot of these opportunities come up in jiu-jitsu and it's a lot of it's because of jiu-jitsu coming up around the same time that social media really started getting popular. So yep. ath- jiu-jitsu athletes really learned like how to promote themselves, like how to, you know, not always talk shit, but like, you know, hype up a match or, you know, just just find out a way to, to make these type of matches happen. Do you feel like that's something that, because I know there's a lot of wrestlers who are good at social media too, but do you feel like jujitsu guys are a little bit ahead in, in that aspect as well? 
Man, I'm not sure on that one. I do know, like I said, as I started looking at some of these jiu-jitsu guys and these, these fighters' Instagrams, Twitter accounts, they have crazy amounts of followers. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's just because the sport um, maybe is so close to the UFC and some of the people, like you got Burns coming back, you know, coming and doing the who's number one event and getting ready to compete for the the title yep. in the UFC. Um, so I don't know if they're like just getting that many more viewers. Um, there's, you know, wrestling. Someone just put a stat out the other day. I think DC was the last, you know, Olympian from the 2008 Olympic team to retire in the UFC. And there hasn't been a single one since then who's gone into the UFC. Oh, wow. So I don't know if that's the fact that wrestling's becoming more, of a lifestyle at these you know top levels like a Jordan Burroughs, Kyle Dake, David Taylor, some of these guys don't have to go into the UFC because they're doing well and making enough money. Um, so we're not we're not getting that crossover viewership. Um, I think you know I, I wrestled Henry in 15, uh, and that was probably the last time where you know a UFC uh, vet went into a wrestling match and you had somewhat of that viewership. Heck, if I wrestled Henry and you know six months ago there'd probably be millions of more viewers just because mm -hmm. now he's you know a champ and you know the cringe and everyone wanted to see <laughs> yeah i was about to uh, say heck triple c there's triple been cringe. multiple times there's been multiple times where i've you know just jokingly because i know him pretty well tweeted at him like hey i know one belt you don't have it's the uh <laughs> the global championship belt that i won back in 15 when we wrestled <laughs> just just to give him a hard time mm -hmm. but uh you know I, I like henry a lot and He's someone who I looked up to just with the, the Hispanic heritage. There's not many mm -hmm. uh, Hispanics that have had success in wrestling that, you know, I was able to look up to um, at the highest level. And he's one of them that I could. Yeah, no, it's really is very, very cool. Everything he's done. And man, that statistic about uh, uh, the 2008 Olympic team is crazy. And look at all the look at what Daniel Cormier has done and the career he's cultivated for himself. I mean, he has his own TV show with Ariel Hawani. He's a yeah. commentator for the UFC. He's done all this. He was on the Olympic team. Uh, did you ever see his fight with Dan Henderson where he he uh, single leg lifted Dan over his head and like pizza tossed him onto the ground? <laughs> yeah. So I, our head coach is actually like best friends with DC, Oklahoma State guys. So we're, we're around them a lot. And, you know, they, those guys talk all the time. Um, so there, there's a lot of DC gives back to the wrestling community a lot. He does a lot. So he's he's very familiar face to everyone. He's a high school wrestling coach, isn't he? In Gilroy, yep. Man, that's I didn't know that. I found that out right before he fought Stepe this last time, and I was like, man, this guy's like, this guy's a gem. Like, why are we gonna lose him? But like, his, I just found out about him. Basically. His like entire uh, camp coaches there. So like, it was him, um, Crutchmer. Uh, I think the round win was coaching there. Like, all he brings all the. So he's still very close to Oklahoma State. So he brings a lot of those guys over once they're done. And I, I don't know if he pays him. I don't know how he does it, but he sets something up. So, like, Piccinini's there now. Um, you know, Crutchmer cool. came over. Uh, he's he's kind of making a pipeline for these kids that want to go straight in MMA and giving them places to train and giving them those opportunities. So, before you started coaching at the University of North Carolina, uh, did you go straight into that coaching job? Or did you coach at a high school level first? Like, how did you how did you get that opportunity? So I was uh, in the new generation that was doing really well wrestling and endorsement deals and everything. So I just wrestled for, uh, I graduated in 14, wrestled for two years, just, you know, just focusing on strictly wrestling. And then in 16, I took the job at UNC. 
I knew I wanted to get into coaching after that Olympic cycle. Um, it's just something that's always kind of been in my heart and really transitioned to. That's really cool. So since you started training really young with like Clay Guida and Izzy Martinez, did you ever have any aspirations to do MMA? Still do. <laughs> he knew that. Still, coming. I still do to this day. Um, you know, there, there were articles uh, when I got done, you know, after the NCAA tournament, there's always those articles like who would be the best wrestlers to transition to MMA. And I was always like, like the top of every single one of those lists. Um, still to this day, I, I sit there I'm like, man, I know I could do it. Uh, it's just one of those things where I got four kids, I got a family. My wife's not a big yeah. fan of people getting punched in the face. Uh, but th there's been plenty of conversations like, hey, I should give this a try. You know, it's be really cool. I think I could do really well. And then when Henry started winning, that's when it really like started to dig in deep. Like, man, like what what could have been if I did go this route? Um, but yeah, that, that, that's always in the back of my mind. I mean, even last year, one of the ESPN guys who does MMA is like, what's it going to take to get you to fight? I was like, if you somehow give Dana and give me a six-figure deal, maybe. Then, then we'll think about it and talk about it. Me and my wife will talk about it if it's six <laughs> figures. But hey, no, I think that um, that I mean, here here's another thing as well. Look at like Rafael Lovato Jr. is an American black belt. Um, mm -hmm. I, I believe he was the first American, no, the second American to win a black belt world championship. Bellator middleweight champ Ryan Bader, who uh, I know, <clears throat> who used to own the gym that I trained at, and I trained with him before as well. Uh, CB Dalloway, Aaron Simpson, all had great. Uh, careers in MMA after being successful wrestlers too. And I think that it's just, man, like if you watch an MMA fight, I'm sure, let me, let me ask you this. I watch MMA fights sometimes and I have to like get my bucket ready for the jujitsu I'm seeing. You know what I mean? Do you have to do this? I mean, you probably are looking at some wrestling situations thinking, but just, just, just do this. You know what I mean? You're like, you're like just looking like, dude, why are you doing that kind of thing? That's the, I mean, look at Khabib. Yeah. Like, man, you watch Khabib, he's killing everybody. And not, he's not doing a lot of, like, none of it looks, like, super flashy. It's just really good. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, you look at him, he's just a bulldozer. The guy just works hard, does simple. I mean, I know that there's a difference between Sambo and wrestling in some ways. I'm not really sure. I really want to research Sambo and, like, get a feel for it because it looks awesome. Uh, <clears throat> I don't know about the outfits too much, but that's <laughs> beyond the points. But, uh... Man, it it just is like the level of like your level of wrestling is not even it pay it like there the other level of wrestling pales in comparison. So that's just uh I don't know if you notice this. I'm playing the 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 journalist role and being oh, like, yeah. hey, yeah, maybe just <laughs> give it a shot. You know, no, I've <laughs> try this. Well, I, guess, drug. I haven't even watched UFC lately just because that itch is always like there. Like, uh -huh. man, I know I could be very successful at this, and um, you know, with the relationship I had with Izzy. I always ask him, I go, when you bring me down to Jackson's gym to work out and just train with some of these guys, he will never bring me down there. I don't know if it's just the fact that he doesn't want me to get that itch and pull me away from it or, or what yeah. it is, but I always give him a hard time, like, hey, come on, bring me down. Let me go work out with John. Let me work out with Holly. Let me see what I can do with some of these people. Have you happened to follow Aaron Pico's career? Uh, yeah, MMA? so Pico uh, – he was like the phenom coming through kind of in 14, 15 when I was coming around too. And he was mm -hmm. younger than me though. He was coming right out of high school. Um, but Brett Metcalf was my teammate. So that's who Pico always had to go up against. Yeah. And that was, that was the guy he, you know, he had to beat. So yeah, I knew Pico really well. 
I know he's down at Jackson's now training mm-hmm. with Izzy and those guys. Um, I don't think his, his career's you know, gone quite as ideal as he'd like it to. Um, so I know he's down there with them. <clears throat> Fun fact. I would, uh, when I was like 14, 15 years old, I would compete on Indian reservations and MMA fights, uh, that were unsanctioned. And, uh, <clears throat> and I, I had won a fight against a kid named Harley Esparza. And then the promoter of the event was like, Hey, we want you to fight this kid. And I was like, Oh, what's his name? It's like Aaron Pico. And I'm like, uh, yeah, uh, let me just like, you know, meet with my guys or whatever. I'm like 15 years old. I don't know what to say. So I go back and uh, my buddy uh, Clayton, who also fought uh, Aaron Pico, Clayton Carpenter, he was like, yeah, you don't want to fight that guy. And I was like, <laughs> why not? And he's like, because he will mess you up. He will, he will beat you down. And then I looked up some highlights of him like when he was like 14, 15. I was, and he's like my age uh, or maybe a little older. And I was like, yeah, I don't want to fight this guy. <laughs> this guy will kill me. So uh, but that's like my uh, that's like I always think about that when I see him I'm like, gosh, I almost fought this kid when I was 15 years old. And look at him. He's knocking people out like i don't want to fight him ever yeah that's my story that's my that's my my claim to fame i almost fought him (laughs) (laughs) so we're coming up on about an hour and uh like we said we really really appreciate your time appreciate you for coming on and and honestly just for taking the match like like you were saying like the opportunity to kind of cross promote between the two sports i think both jujitsu and wrestling both deserve more eyeballs so to have someone of your caliber come like crossover um i think is really meaningful and it's going to hopefully lead to to more of these types of matches so um jake did you have any more uh, questions for tony no but i was going to say that i think uh one thing that a lot of people should keep in mind just like watching an athlete like yourself like you're a father uh, you have a beautiful family and you're also a coach so one thing like you talk about bringing both sports together, it's also people like you who do a good job of this. So like, for instance, you're fighting a kid, literally the kid's like 18 years old, right? And you're coming in. And I think one thing that's going to be really, really cool. And I think the people who listen to this and then watch the fight should keep in mind is like, you're going to be able to cultivate an awesome message with your performance. And I, I truly believe you'll do better than, uh, than the weird example of like only lasting 30 seconds. I think you're going to do fine. <laughs> Um, but I'm very excited for that. I want to thank you for, uh, I mean, seeing people very, you know, like, like you're, I'm looking at your Instagram. It's like, it's like all your family. And I'm like, that's so cool. Like, and you signed a contract, you're like, Oh, coming soon announcement. I I would not have thought that that was a grappling announcement, but, um, yeah, I'm very excited. I want to thank you for coming on, uh, and give you the opportunity. Is there any sponsors you want to shout out, uh, shout out a team? Uh, you know, just, Really, the biggest – I don't really have, I would say, sponsors for event. Um, I'm using it more for awareness, um, just with a lot of things that are going on. And some of the, some of the awareness is like Wrestle Like a Girl. Um, women's wrestling starting to get really big right now, uh, just sanctioning women's wrestling all over the place. And then, yeah. uh, you know, Milwaukee Tools is big for us. Our, our wrestling club, the Target Wrestling Club, which supports senior-level athletes training for World Olympic titles. Um, so, like I said, a lot of awareness and no awareness for – social justice, LGBTQ rights, things like that. So I'm excited for it. All right, 